Hey, hey, hey. Hello? Hello? Am I coming through? I hear Nate. Oh, there we go. Okay, now you're coming through my headphones. He's such Hello? an asshole. <laughs> I agree. Can you oh. hear me yet? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All I, I, but I don't know where that conversation was going. All I heard is, I'm such an asshole. <laughs> no. I did that intentionally. I wanted it to seem like it was cutting into the conversation because Stephen right, was right. messing around with every all the cables again. He's lying. That was a, a genuine conversation. <laughs> okay, what was what was your comment just before I said that? I believe you I were said, agreeing with me. You know Nate's an asshole, and he said, "Yeah, if Nate wasn't such an asshole, <laughs> not going to throw me under the bus. I'll jump under there with you." <laughs> Welcome to Buried Cinema, where we discuss new and lesser-known films in detail, so there will be spoilers. I'm Kevin. I'm Steve. I'm Nate. And I'm Tom. This month, I had the pick, and Nate had the pairing, uh, and I figured since by the time you listen to this, it's going to be getting close. Uh, those down south are going to be already in school. Those uh, up in the northeast will be heading to school, so I kind of thought of that back-to-school theme, uh, and... I came across a little indie film uh, called Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. And I noticed two of the cast members, the girl who plays... Hang on a second. The Dying Girl. The Dying... I didn't want to say that. That sounds so <laughs> crass. Uh, Rachel. It's in the title. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I, well, that's true. All right, fair enough. Um, Spoilers. She yeah, does. that's true. Uh, <laughs> Olivia Cook. Uh, and she's from uh, Ready Player One, um, and then Nick Offerman, who I you've converted me on Nick. This month has converted me on Nick Offerman. I oh, wasn't a big fan. I kind of here too. Yeah, I didn't watch a lot of Park. It's Parks and Rec, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I didn't watch. I've seen a couple of them from that. I follow him on Instagram, and so him and, and uh, I can't remember his wife's name. Whatever from Will and Grace, he's funny, and I like his style of. Of comedy so anyway so that's why i chose this uh and, and as the the title very blatantly tells you it's about me and earl and a dying girl and they're pretty much glosses over it glosses i know i enjoyed the, the the actual storyline and what takes place throughout the whole film oh yeah okay it, it's a not the dying girl though no no yeah. that, that's on the nose stupid movie um <laughs> and, and we'll get into the box of tissues later um but i'm curious to to hear what you guys had to have to say about this because I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. So I know Steven, you were saying that you had some, so I did not like this movie initially the first 20 minutes. It seemed like the typical quirky indie. It was hitting all the beats and it just seemed really generic. And I was like, okay, is this going to be, and I, I, it still was kind of the quirky, typical quirky indie movie, but I still, ended up getting sucked in because it didn't do unexpected or didn't do the expected things. Like people right. would just say things that in other movies, they don't just say because otherwise right. it breaks the drama. Yeah. Right. But he would just say things. Yeah. And I'd be like, That's... here's where you expect the, and he you was... know, the romantic moment. And yeah. It doesn't happen. And it and that that's not what their relationship is right. and stop <laughs> expecting it to be that. Yeah. And yeah. the, yeah. the other thing is he was so much like an actual teenage boy. I mean, he was a precocious teenage boy, right. but he said the dumbest shit. 
sometimes. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, I would have said that when I was that age. It, yeah. You know, or you knew was, somebody who did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it was such teenage boy stuff that he did. Yeah. And uh, it ended up sucking me in and I kind of got involved. And it was one of those where, uh, you know, 10 minutes in, I start checking my phone because I'm not that into it. And another 10 minutes in, I lay the phone down kind of yeah. thing. And by the end, I was just like, this movie sucks. Where's the tissues? And the death scene is just excruciating. Yeah. Especially since it was like he says he lies to you, says she's not going right. to die. At least twice. Twice. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. not going to die. I kind of had a feeling she was always going to die. But right. even still, it was like I got to know her and like her. Yeah. And so I still didn't want her to. And then that that death scene is beautiful scene yeah just uh, they're laying in bed watching this movie really shitty movie and it's just it's a really really beautiful scene and i end up liking this movie a lot quite a bit and nick offerman was completely opposite of the character he plays in park and rec parks and rec (laughs) and he he was fantastic he was great in this and you identified well with him (laughs) shut up (laughs) (laughs) look i'm not i am not going to approach that topic i will let you guys approach that i am not going to be the one to approach as soon as i heard them uh, as soon as i heard greg talk about his dad i'm just picturing steven the whole time like i could see him doing that Yeah. yeah i could see him doing that I may have identified with him a little bit. Yeah. But. So I, 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 I thought this was fantastic. The performances were great. Earl, actually, that, that's something I wanted to make sure to talk about. He was a great character. Yeah. Because he was basically his conscience, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of what he functioned as. But he was also just a likable character. He, he didn't bullshit. He didn't, you know, I love the line where he's like, yeah, he doesn't call me his friend because he doesn't like to call friends. We're friends. He, he's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he just completely <laughs> deflated the whole. Right. We're coworkers. Mis- like, I'm yeah. a quirky kind of guy and I don't. And yeah. he just completely undercuts him constantly. Yeah. <laughs> and so you get that indie quirky character, but that's forced to be self-aware of that, that mm-hmm. type of character, which I liked. From conversations i've had about this movie in the past apparently he's a much more fleshed out character in the book this is oh really yeah i thought he was a pretty well-rounded character in this like it was all very subtle but that's always going to be a problem when you adapt something though yeah you know you can draw so much out on the page you have so much more time than you do in an hour and a half and so I, mean, like, was, I feel like that's adaptation problems. I mean, there were things where they, you could tell they were being very subtle about it, but I got the sense that it was really Earl and her that were kind of in love. Like there was a, something romantic between them because he's the one that actually felt something romantic for her. Whereas with the, I can't remember his name Greg. now, Greg, it, for him, it was it just was a friendship. friendship. No, I didn't get that at all. Real, well, huh. there's that, that when he does that video when Earl, right. He's talking about her the way you talk about somebody you're in love with. Yeah. He doesn't, he's not talking about her the way you talk about a friend. I could see that because she also, one of the times when they were parting ways for no particular reason, she hugged him. Yeah. And not Greg. Yeah. It was Um, clear that. So I I thought that's a possibility. Uh, I wouldn't discount it. And I definitely think that Greg and and the dying girl, what's her name? Rachel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was friendship. Yeah. It, It may have grown into something else, but I think that was pure friendship. But, Tom, back to your point um, with Earl, I was wondering, kind of, as the movie was going on, okay, it's me and Earl and the dying girl, and his character seemed just kind of 
was just there on screen with him for the longest time. And I'm going, something just wasn't right. You mean Earl? Earl. Yeah. And when he finally started to, you know, form sentences and, and have mm-hmm. an impact on the scene or a greater impact on the scene, then I, I was I was enjoying the film a lot more at that point. Yeah. 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 You make yeah. it sound like he had to learn to talk or something. Well, it almost seems like that in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Because he doesn't say anything for the first half of the movie. Yeah, he starts off with, you know, one-word responses. And they're average words. I actually not thought he was mute. Or dumb. But... I thought maybe he was mute the first, like, because <laughs> he doesn't say anything for a long yeah. time. But I wonder if that's something that's in the book. He's, because you're right, from the beginning, I, I bet you in the book from the beginning, he's a, he's a very, there's a lot of character depth to his character, but in the movie... He he does seem like a coworker. We don't see that friendship yeah. probably really until the moment they're eating ice cream and he kind of calls him out. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And until then, we could totally be seeing everything from Greg's point of view, right? Mm-hmm. Which is where he wants to keep himself isolated. And Earl is the only person who he's just the person he makes movies with. It gets better when there's more depth brought in with his character, yeah. and we have them go together. It gets a lot better. Because it does start off very much like a cliched sort of uh, teenage. This is a really weird subgenre of teen movies. Yeah. The uh, the teen cancer movie, right? The girl that has cancer. Yeah. Um. It's a and it's a sub a subgenre. I did just a, it didn't take much, a little bit of typing, and it is actually called terminal romance films. Really. Yeah. Well, what was the one that came out uh, maybe a year, year and a half ago? Yeah, and I mean, they're, they're not just teenager genres. Like, Nicholas Sparks, all of his books Nick are this. Sparks, they're terminal yeah. romance. Um, John, I mean, but that John Green book. John Green's The Fault in Our Stars. That yeah, was a big one. That's the one I was thinking of. The Fault in Our yeah. Stars. Yeah. But you can go all the way back to A Walk to Remember. Yeah. Um, there's tons of them. And if you just look up terminal romance, you'll get lists after lists of them. Yeah. So it... um. It follows some of those tropes. Uh-huh. Even though he says she's not going to die, you know how this is going to go. She's yeah. going to. Um, oh, you just see, I didn't know. I didn't think that until shortly after the second time he said it. Really? And I was like, eh, something seems fishy. The and fact it that he kept just been my naive hope yeah. that she was going to not die. Well, and plus, right. once the, the Punisher has his sort of little monologue. <laughs> right. About, he was good in this movie. Uh, this is the first thing I saw him in. This. Yeah. yeah, that I really enjoyed him in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when he talks about how you know people don't die, they survive by you learning more about them. Right. I was like, yeah, that's how she survives. <sighs> She's got to die. Yeah. But I actually really otherwise loved... his speech is really dumb. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. <laughs> um, I, that. I love that scene at the end where he's in her room. Oh yeah, and oh, he starts beautiful. noticing things about her. That was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That was that actually got me crying harder than her death scene. Yeah, because it's also things that we're yeah. now noticing that we yeah. should have seen before, they should have been, right? Because that, that was all very obvious in the room. Yeah, he mentioned yeah. the books. The scissors are all over the walls. You know, it's something that we should have recognized about her, and it was a way for us to learn more about this yeah. character. Yeah. Even after they've left the film. Yeah. You know, which was a I thought, I thought that was very touching. It's um, just a great I, idea. I mean, the yeah. the idea of death is terrifying anyway, so. Yeah. The idea that well you survive by people learning more about who you were. I I, st- I had I mean I I think it's actually a really good movie. I have a few like nits to pick within this this trope and this story. It falls into some of the same problems. Um, it breaks out of some of them where Greg and her just become friends, mm-hmm. but it still has a lot of the same sort of academic film problems. No teacher has an office that amazing, yeah. <laughs> or, or a classroom with like. 
cathedral ceilings. And like, yeah. um, so there was a lot of distracting stuff like that. Some um, of the cinematography was really weird, too. Like, there were some weird shots. Hey, I, this is the first movie in a long time that I've seen a fisheye lens. There was a there was a, a scene in the bedroom where I used a fisheye lens for the entire scene. And it was them having a conversation. And it was just weird. A weird choice. Yeah, and there's, there's stuff like that. The voiceover is... Um, it's a cliche in some ways for this. The, it's actually written by the, by the novelist. Hmm. So the novelist adapted it. Um, and it feels very novelistic with mm-hmm. its kind of the the strange details, which are meant to give the character more sort of nuance, so that in a weird way they feel more real. But then it then they feel more like a real novel character, not a real person. Yeah. And so the the voiceovers, the fact that it's kind of constant all the way through. You know, there's other ways they could have done that. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Steve, with the death scene. Um, I think it had oh, a lot really? of emotion. Yeah, I, it had a lot of emotional power, and I hope Sarah's not listening because she was like bawling. But, um, <laughs> but it's it's another one of these problems I have with films where when they, um, whenever you make a film and there's somebody hey, what, who says like they're gonna make some great piece of art, and then her, I watch it. What's Sarah's phone number, real quick? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's this problem. It's the same problem I had with the uh, the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Right, oh, we're at the it's 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 at the end, and he's like, "I took this great picture." Well, then it and it's all been building up to this, you know. So that piece of art that you show me in the film, it better be revolutionary. Mm-hmm. They they hedge their bets a little because Greg gets up and he's like, "It's a terrible, dumb movie." Yeah, well, I mean, you know? they dodge it by the they make bad movies, and it's supposed right. to be bad. And, yeah, 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 and they got that little bit of be kind rewind flair yeah. going on. Yeah. And it's it's just it's one of these issues where the the art within the art can't sometimes can't carry the heft you want it to yeah. of just the moment. We'll talk about that with the next movie. And so that's kind of a that's that's always a tough thing where when you're trying to create art within this, it's 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 hard. It's hard you're, to make it feel organic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's supposed to be you know especially when it leads up to literally this is the last thing this human being sees. It yeah. better be pretty spectacular. Like, it should have something, and it shouldn't be a shitty little, you know. Now, he, that... he had a great line we put on that sticky note, right? Uh, Caution, the last person who watched this fell yes. into a coma and died. That yeah. was fantastic. <laughs> but I don't, I, for me, at least, it, I didn't get the feeling that it had to have that much because she knew the movies they made yeah. were shit. But they were based on beautiful classic works. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. you could almost look at it from the same point where you know now earl and greg are like okay well we're we're putting her on the same level as this you know all this classic cinema and we're making a, a silly parody about yeah it. but it wasn't a silly parody no it was, I, oh, and I, yeah i mean i agree and i think this movie actually that's what it does really well is that it it seems like it recognizes that that's a problem any movie right. where it's building up to the reveal of some artistic piece right whether it's music or uh, a movie or whatever and it by the you spent two hours building up to this or an hour and a half right it's not going to live up to anything they reveal so this movie says everything's shitty everything it does is shitty right. like ahead of time so prepared so taking down those expectations just smart when they started yeah. to show it they obviously spent a lot of film a lot of screen time on the movie and then they were cutting back to the two of them and then they'd go back to the movie and there were things you didn't see 
Right. Yeah. And I the like amount that of time, too. for me when I was watching it, the, the amount of time they were showing the movie versus showing them started to shift. Yeah. And after a while, I realized, well, yeah, it is about the two of them watching it, not about the, the movie itself. Yes. It doesn't matter what's on the wall. Yeah. Tom, you've been quiet. The whole time I was watching this time, I was, anytime I, I heard a, a monologue <laughs> or, or saw stuff, I thought, I'm like, oh, I hope this doesn't ruin it for Tom. <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't remember having a problem with the voiceover. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I, I saw it a couple years ago. I wasn't able to rewatch it. Um, but the my, I think my biggest problem with it and my problem with a lot of movies that take place in high schools is I, 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 di- I never see, like, a genuine high school experience portrayed yeah. on screen. And I think Nate was touching on that a little bit. It's not so bad when it's like a stylized or something i don't know it's like 10 things i hate about you is obviously is a, is a good example but it just it, it's kind of like a little pet peeve of mine where high school is as portrayed and i again i i didn't go to public school either but i'm so i don't know sometimes what is genuine and what's not um but it it very rarely feels like a genuine portrayal of high school life it's definitely an exaggerated you know it's that exaggerated version of high school. Like nobody's willing to go as far out as these characters go. You know, yeah. like the the kid with the goggles and the right. rapper kid. That's an exaggeration of types. And thankfully, this counteracts that with some pretty profound insight into the nature of high school relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the when he's talking about what pretty girls do. Comparing them to a moose stomping a squirrel. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Every time they cut to one of those scenes, I was laughing my ass off. Yeah, that that was like, yes, that is genuine. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's, you know, absurd. It's I, I like when absurdity is used to uh, give insight into something real. Yeah, that's um, when it's at its best. Oh yeah. But I think just like the setting and the whole. I mean, it starts off with the whole. Um, he talking about clicks, basically. Um, yeah, and how he tried to he he doesn't really want to be seen. He wants to just kind of get through high school and kind of be forgotten. And I I think that's a very genuine thing for a lot of teenagers. They don't oh, yeah. they're terrified of being seen because then your flaws will be exposed and that's how you grow. And that's kind of what happens the first time he sits down in the lunchroom, right? But it it goes into the absurdities. He immediately makes a mortal enemy, you know. Then immediately gets high on drugs and um, <laughs> And I, I agree with Tom that I, I've never really seen a film honestly portray the high school experience. Eighth grade does it pretty well. Eighth grade does it pretty well. Would, I've heard eighth grade does it. I haven't seen it, but well. I would guess that that would be the... Yeah. High school movies almost always start out by establishing cliques. Yeah. And I've never seen firmly drawn lines around who hangs out with who in real life. So to me, right. that seems like yeah. a movie thing. That seems like something that somebody created for movies... And then there everybody was, else just kept on copying that. There was pretty firm lines at my high school. Like, you could be part of one or two groups and go between them. But, like, if you're part of this group, you're definitely not part of that group. And you don't go to that part of lunch. Right. Or know? that party there's, after school. Yeah. There's social classes. And there's still, um, unfortunately, definitely, like, racial separation. You know, and so it's there's it's still there, but the, the way that the movies portray it, it is not as clear cut as you would think. You 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 can kind of tell who are the student athletes. You can kind of tell who are the people who are in 
maybe a, a band or something like this. And you, you can tell who are friends. But the other thing is those groups are incredibly fluid. And yeah. it kind of just depends mm-hmm. on your, like, school schedule. Like, when they talk about the lunchroom, like, Plus, the kids can kind of switch and move or who's in your class. and those clicks yeah. have changed. They're not yeah. the same yeah. as – like, the jocks and the, the smart kids are the same group now. Yeah. Right. As opposed to it used to be separate groups. So, yeah. you know, they're they're different. The cliques aren't the same as when we were in right. school. But I, I yeah. think but they're still there. And if, like you said, nobody would want to watch a movie that is gray mm-hmm. in the sense where you don't have. It, it's easier to identify. If you're watching this, you can say, hey, oh, yeah, I would have been the goth kid. Yeah. Or I would have been the jock. Or I would have been the artsy person. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. I kind of expect it, I guess, at this point. Which is that's my point, right? So, yeah, it, it doesn't bother. That, me. That's what you expect, mm-hmm. so you don't think about it. So the next movie just does the same thing. I think that's for me. That's the line between a good movie and kind of that transcendent masterpiece, where it yeah the thing that breaks outside that genre and takes it to the next step. Those are the films where we're like, there you go, that's the one, and it's it's whatever genre it is. And this is a high school terminal romance. Which is a, which is a genre. Yeah, that's really weird. <laughs> that is, it's kind of crazy. Terminal romances; those are getting made on Lifetime like every month. It's a love story without the commitment. Of course, it's yeah. <laughs> you don't have to commit. You could be like, "I love you forever," because that only means three months. All right. Uh, unless anybody else has anything they'd like to add, let's go ahead and grade this. So, Stephen, um, I give it an A. I would give it a B. It's it's a still uh, I still highly recommend it. It's a good movie. I can't get past some of the genre issues. Tom, uh, I'm also going to give it a B. And I will give it an A, despite the nitpicky things. So two A's and two B's. That would give it an A minus, which is a Mario mushroom. An extra life. Oh, how appropriate. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> Although she would find it funny. Yeah, she would. She would. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So now we're going to try uh, another segment we've done before. Movies out of a hat, questions out of a lunchbox. Steven, do you want to roll? Um, oh, and what season do you watch this movie? Winter, spring, summer, or fall? You know, this was kind or of the autumn. Perfect, in the season In the season before autumn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the perfect time to watch it. I actually really, I liked this yeah. pick that Kevin did of like back to school because it kind of, at least for a teacher, it does. It's weird. So much of our lives kind of revolve around the school year. Yeah. I think even somewhat culturally, I think a lot of people would agree with that. Like the country yeah. kind of changes, like when school starts again, right? Yep. A, a lot of things happen, and we still love that summer. And so it's kind of fun watching Th- this. Things actually summer. start happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In the done. season before autumn. In the season before autumn. I kind of uh, like that question. Okay. Uh, so the question says, if you were in this movie, who would you play? Ooh, and I okay. like it because, like, the way we were talking about how there were, you know, in school, whether they were clear cut or just gray area, there were groups that you you would associate with more so than, or groups of kids, maybe not necessarily cliques, that you associated yeah. with more than others. I was definitely trying to be invisible, like the main character, but I wasn't mm-hmm. as smart as the main character. <laughs> like, I wasn't no, as self aware no as right. the main character. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's one of the problems I have, not with this one specifically, but with a lot of movies like this. Miraculously, the the main character is so Mm self-aware and 
has, you know, a vocabulary level five to ten years beyond the <laughs> typical person their age. Yeah. Um, That's a novel issue where, um, and I've actually heard that, we just talked about Bo Burnham's eighth grade. I've heard Bo Burnham's eighth grade, like, he deliberately tried to make sure that the dialogue was, like, what, like, eighth graders would say. So it's supposed to be pretty okay. messy. It's so realistic that you will feel the genuine annoyance of being surrounded by eighth graders. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And I say that in the best way possible, I guess. Yeah. Well, I wanted to watch this movie. Maybe not. <laughs> when I was going through school, I was an athlete. I wasn't a nerd, but I was pretty smart. And I was into computers. I didn't do theater, but I was in band. Like, I, I was in band, but I only yeah. got into band because of a girl. As soon as she was done, I was done with band. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got into, you know, whatever, the, the next group because of a girl. Right. But... As soon as that was done, I was done with that group. So I, I was, yeah, kind of yeah. the same way as him. I would have been like the just sort of regular geeks. I was in the smart kid classes. Was the nerd. Love sitting around watching sci-fi and Star Trek. Um, I went to school with Brian, so I feel like I, I can speak for him. He would have been ill Phil. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brian, Brian was the drug, drug, drug dealer. He, 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 he was our drug dealing rapper. That fits Brian a hundred percent. Exactly how I imagined him in high school. <laughs> beard and all. Yes. With a, with, with a beard and a duster. Yeah, that was Brian. <laughs> so am I, am I the like, only one of us who went to private school? I no. did for like a year when in first or two years yeah, in first and uh, second grade. Yeah, when I was a kid, really young. Kindergarten and first grade I went. I was straight public But high school. school. High school? Uh, yeah, yeah, all y'all, public. Y'all went to yeah. public? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that That's like, Tom? The school I went to had about 220 kids pre-K through 12. Wow. Oh, wow. So um, that probably made it a little easier for there not to be like yeah. well-defined groups. <laughs> yeah. 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 What do you do? I knew everybody mm-hmm. on a first name basis, like in the entire school. So, so um, my graduating class was over 800. Yeah. And that's that, just my to me is, wow. is still mind boggling. I can't that's even imagine massive. that. Yeah. Yep. Like that's, the college I attended was about a thousand people. Right. And like that 800 is not unusual for the nation. You know, yeah, like no. you can, like my dad, he graduated from one that was like 1500 and things I, like this. I think yeah. the average is in the low 400s. If you take right. all the schools, I think that's yeah. the average mm-hmm. size. Yeah. On the other side of that, we didn't have band yeah. <laughs> or sports for most of my time there. We had like ba- a basketball team. I think all four years that I was in high school and I wasn't a basketball player. So. Was there still a sense of entitlement among the basketball players? Not in general, no. There, there were a handful of assholes, but you know, that's yeah. <laughs> you you have them in the, every the law of averages, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have there was four yeah. people. One of them was going to be an asshole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not naming names anymore. <laughs> Daryl. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's his parents' fault. They should have named him Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> he was the principal's son too. <laughs> Actually, I had to I had to rescue that guy from walking into a highway one time when he was high. So, uh, <laughs> wow. All right, so we're gonna add uh, me and Earl and the dying girl to flick chart. If you don't know what flick chart is, you can Google it, or um, we could explain it to you. And you're here, so we might as well. It's a wonderful website that you can use. You type in a movie, and it adds it to a list that you've compiled by comparing two movies together. So that's Flipchart. Uh, the first matchup that we have is me and Earl and the dying girl versus Man of Steel. 
I can't vote. That's you haven't little, seen Man of Steel. Man of Steel is a great litmus test. Yeah, because it's it really a perfect is. middle of the road movie. It's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> or that. No, it's awesome. It's just smashy McSmashing time. Yeah. I love it. Um, I would go Me Earl and the Dying Girl. Oh, same here. It's a much better movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Based on Tom's review of Man of Steel, I'm guessing you're going the same way. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Tom, you sound very distant right now. He's stirring his pad dumpster. You don't want the pad tie to get stuck to the edges. You've got to keep it moving. Not that I know from experience. You sound much better, Tom. That's, I, I had my microphone <laughs> tilted away from my face because I was eating. Is it pad thai? What are you eating? Pizza. Oh. oh. You're so wrong. Yeah, there's a pad thai restaurant in Keystone, South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I'm surprised. Well, no. But it's actually just spaghetti with soy sauce on it. Oh. <laughs> Made by a guy named Fred. The next matchup is uh, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl or Song of the Sea. Song of the Sea. Song of the Sea. Yeah. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl or Green Room. Green Room. That's a movie that... It still fall. It stays within its genre of kind of this um, horror thriller, but it manages to keep things surprising and break outside of it. Yeah. Right. So I'm gonna go Green Room. I'm going uh, Me and Earl and Dying Girl. I like these movies probably equally. So when it comes down to genre, I'll choose horror over teen terminal teen. Terminal horror. teen romance. Terminal teen romance. Yeah, I prefer horror. Yeah. To, that is it, a genre. It's more palatable. <laughs> well, like, doesn't just the fact that that exists as a genre, doesn't that romanticize the whole thing? Yes, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really does. In fact, terminal teen, like, thrillers are also a thing with, like, 13 Reasons Why and other stuff. It's really, yeah. mm. it is a, as a high school teacher, it is a problematic issue. Uh, so Green Room wins. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl or White Christmas. White Christmas. Yeah, White Christmas. Uh, nice. but I, I, I'm enjoying this, this choice. <laughs> so White, White Christmas, Christmas wins. wins. White Christmas, the best Christmas movie ever made. Second Maybe best. best movie ever made. Um, I'm so pissed at myself for introducing this film to you guys. I like feel like I should have chosen a worse classic. Uh, <laughs> damn it. Why am I spreading joy during Christmas time? During the summer. That we can also enjoy at Christmas time. You've given us a gift that keeps on giving. Oh, every year. All right, next matchup. Uh, me and Earl and the Dying Girl or Gone Girl. <laughs> no, these should not cross genres. I do not. That'd be a horrible movie. Could you imagine like Ben Affleck is like one of these like Greg or Earl's like dad? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we have, yeah, we didn't really talk about Molly Shannon in this. She was great. Oh, she was fantastic. She was, creepy as fuck. She was super me. creepy. Like giving the kids wine. <laughs> all you have to do is switch genders, and she's going to jail. Oh hell yeah! yeah. yeah she was, but she was great. She was yes. really. Yeah. There's still the other thing that she did is she she is a phenomenal actress. She also she managed to portray the comedy across and her kind of inner turmoil and pain. Right, the moment yeah. when they're interviewing her. Yeah. Um, and it, it, she's clearly like drowning herself in alcohol because uh -huh. she her yeah. her child is dying. And what she says about her mom, she's going to be alone. And I, I think her acting came across as that 
I don't know if anybody else could have handled the comedic moments and some of the pain that she has to portray. So she did a phenomenal job. Yeah, because it could have easily lapsed into, and this is something, the reason I really liked her performance, because they could have lapsed into this self-absorbed mom that makes it all about her. And, you yeah. know, and I thought that's where they were going to go with it, where she didn't really care. She was just, you know, wanted the attention for herself kind of thing. But mm-hmm. no, she's she is that kind of person, kind of. But she's also a mom that really cares about her daughter. And Molly Shannon's able to convey both of those at the same time mm-hmm. without it becoming a caricature, which is yeah. really impressive. I'm going me and Earl and the dying girl. Me too. Yeah, I agree. And that puts it at 271 on our flip chart out of 642. It feels well-deserved here. It yeah. might crawl up eventually, but it feels like it's in a good spot. Yeah. Right. Um, we'll talk about my pairing next. All right, so um, I had the pairing to Kevin's film, and he gave me the theme of back to school. And he also had mentioned that Nick Offerman was in Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. And I remembered hearing about this film that Nick Offerman was actually the lead in called Hearts Beat Loud, which um, it's kind of a back to school movie. I feel like it it still fits. Do you guys feel like I've kind of fit the theme? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, she yeah. goes to school. Yeah, that's she goes kind to of school. the... Uh... The, okay. The over overhanging doom. Right. Yeah. 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 It's not a high school film. It's about a uh, father and a daughter who form a uh, IMDb calls it a songwriting duo. I think that hurts the poor dad's feelings. They form a band. Um, and summer before she goes off to college, she's going. She lives in New York, particularly the Red Hook neighborhood. And she's going all the way across country to UCLA. So it's not like a small little move. It's It stars Nick Offerman as the dad. And uh, he's like a record star owner. And Kiersey Clemens is his daughter. Uh, Blythe Danner is in it. Uh, Ted Danson, Tony Collette, the guy from Wilco shows up. <laughs> Jeff Tweedy. <laughs> Jeff Tweedy. Um, and uh, let's see. I'm going to turn to... To Kevin, because he chose the last movie, so I'm curious what he thought about the film that uh, I chose. Go for it, Kevin. So the comment I made earlier about evaluating whether or not to show movies to my kids, you know, should they see it? I definitely want to show this to my daughter, Courtney. Um, And Mm. early on, I was watching to make sure that she could see the whole thing and I don't have to go, okay, wait, just close your ears and eyes for 10 seconds here. And (laughs) There was nothing about this that... and, And because... She's very into music right now and trying to do things, and her lifestyle might be similar to this person. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, I think this would be a good thing to show her. Um, right. So that aside, I, I really enjoyed the movie, even though I had problems with her singing uh, and his acting a little bit. Um, but, in, okay, in the sense of her singing, it was really good, but you could tell she's not a singer, and that's okay. Her character is very creative and has a lot of potential in this. It was very she interesting. She sounds pretty much as good as anybody on the radio. Yeah, she's, I thought she sounded great. Yeah, It was really good, but there was it could use a little experience. Uh, she sounded good for the main song, Hearts Beat Loud. But the other two songs, I didn't think. She did not sound as good. Right. And the writing. I mean, maybe it was mildly snarky. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. I didn't catch that. I, I don't have a problem with her voice. I'm just... She does sound like, you know, that kind of modern pop. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was okay because I, I actually I think I would have respected the movie less if she sounded phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so I kind of liked the fact that she sounded a little off, even though well, I didn't like the fact that she sounded a little off. Everything was recorded live. Like they didn't. It wasn't. I right. read this. They didn't go back to a studio. And they yeah, they didn't record everything, everything in a studio. Yeah, which I thought yeah. was just really recorded cool. on set live yeah. as is. So and you can hear that it's not like the acoustics aren't great, right? And stuff. So that might have an an effect and on the it, It's it's one of those things I noticed, but. When I thought about it, I was like, I don't think I would enjoy it as much. I don't think I would appreciate it or. or yeah, find I found it that as endearing. Genuine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then his not so much uh, the dad's or not Nick's acting performance, but the character that he was playing. There were just some some scenes, and it wasn't anything specific. It just it was a general. Uh, I originally wanted to say the word clunkiness, but I don't know if that was if that was Nick's attempt at this character or if that's the way the character was written some of it just didn't seem to fit right for me um I, there was i i understand what you meant by the kind of awkwardness or like ill fit between them right um i thought that was intentional because this is very much about father-daughter relationships right yeah and especially post-puberty those can be very difficult to figure out um, what kind of what what is this like you want to be their friend, but you right. can't be their friend. You still got to be their dad, but it, it's very difficult to do. Yeah. Um, I, I, on one hand, hey, come on, let's go jam. On the other hand, how come you didn't text me? It's two thirty in the morning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's to balance that. It would be, I agree, very difficult for yes. one person to do that well. Yeah. And that may have been part of it is maybe. So maybe and it that's was kind of what character. I thought it was. The, the character's inability to define himself as either a friend or a parent. Yeah, exactly. That and that, he was trying to be both. And in doing that, he's basically alienating his daughter. Yeah. And until at the end, the very end is when he decides, I'm going to be a dad and turn this down. Right. And because it's my dream, not her dream. Yeah. And he, he understands that he's a, he's a parent, not a friend, yeah. not a buddy. And he has to be a parent. And I, I really appreciated that about this movie. Yeah. I thought there's also his... several scenes where she is being the mother. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The scene where he, he bought all that equipment. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Did you just buy less Paul? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could totally see Emma doing that to me though. <laughs> yeah. And even when he's so he's cause he I, I think it's an amazing performance from Nick Offerman. This showed me a whole never another level I didn't realize he had. Um, like when he's in, cause that scene comes kind of right after when he's in the cafe, right? Yeah. And he, he first hears his song on the radio and he becomes so giddy and he's so happy that yeah. felt incredibly genuine. Yeah. Right. And then to see him go home and to see how happy and excited he is and to tell this to his kid, um, there's, there's also just a disconnect there that that's a real human thing where it's like, you're excited about something, but I can see, still see it with kind of my parents where they're, they're excited about something that they've done or, you know, it's the same thing. Kids, it can go the other way. Kids can be excited. And just when the other person kind of shoots your dream down or pops your bubble. It happens to me in almost every conversation I have. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, but it was, it was kind of, it was so, this movie felt very, very real. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, mostly the the relational dynamics. It never went too. I felt like melodramatic. Most movies like this will have a lot of big moments, right? And it hits some of those beats, but they're very they, they play the way you would expect them 
did probably play in real life. When like when he gets drunk and he goes over to Tony Collette's house mm-hmm. to confront her. But it's a, it's a much more muted conversation. Like nobody's screaming at each other. Yeah, he's not They're, stumbling around drunk. Yeah. He's kind of being an ass, but so is she, and it's it's much more subtle. Yeah. Although I didn't think she was being an ass. No, she's not she, being she's she's she came on to him when she we already had Yeah, time. she's yeah. knowingly yeah. leading him like she put him in that position. But at the same time, he's expecting way more than he deserves to expect. Yes, you know? I agree. That scene also does a good job of exposing something else, right? Because it's there where he says, I don't want to sell records anymore. Yeah. Because you could. You could probably take a story like that and he changed his business plan and sold coffee, had live shows, right? He'd probably be fine, but it's it's more than that. He This is very much a movie about how do we handle transitions in life yeah. and move through them. And I think it's kind of it really handles those brilliantly. Like the um, at the end, there, there's a bit of a beat, and it makes you wonder if she stayed or if she didn't. Right when she comes back in, and she's like, "What if I stayed?" Because she could stay with Rose, you know, mm-hmm. she could stay with the girl that she's falling in love with. But that's not what would happen in life, which I really enjoyed which, that she still went to college. Yeah. You know? At first, I thought I had to rewind that final. Was scene. he looking at the camera? Oh, is that what you were going to say? No, when she's like, I did this with my dad. I'm like, wait, did he die? What? Like, oh. I thought maybe I, I, I was oh, kind of no. And then I realized, oh, she went to school. Yeah, she's she went to school. an open mic. She's doing that. Yeah. It just took me a beat to figure that out. Because in any other movie, she would have not gone to school. They would have started a band and right. gone on. So it just kind of subverted my expectations enough to where I'm like, no, that couldn't possibly be it. You right. know? Yeah. Well, no, they, I, I mean, that, that shot established that she was at UCLA. I forget exactly how. There was something in that shot that showed she was in California. Oh, I yeah. must have missed that. I thought that there was a point, though, where she says, like, Nate, you brought up, she asks him, you know, well, I could stay. Mm-hmm. She yeah. does ask that, yeah. Right. And then it fades to black, and we find out he's working at the bar, you but know. Just before it faded, and I want to go back and look at it, if I remember this. He was either looking right at you because... The whole time she asks him, I'm like, you better not say, yes, you should stay. Mm-hmm. You know the right thing is to go to college. Yeah. Don't yeah. be a douche of a dad and ruin her life. Yeah. And yeah. it almost looks like he's looking at the camera. But if he's not, he's looking just past the camera. And it's, I almost got the sense where he's going, I'm not going to make this same dumb mistake. Yeah. And he lets her go. Because, you know, if he had said yes, she would have stayed. Yeah. There's something else I really <clears throat> appreciate about this. There's there's no conflict that comes out of the fact that either A, she's the product of an interracial relationship. Right. Or B that she right? or B that she's attracted to other women. And I appreciate that there was no that had nothing no bearing on the plot whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. It was just that's who these people are and it's like there's no the only conflict time, that they're trying to generate. To say the only time it's even addressed is when he asked her do you have a new girlfriend or boyfriend? Right. Like right. at that moment, he's not even assuming either way. Yeah. Other than that, it's not even addressed. And you really like, know that yeah. nearly every other film, there would have been some something made of that, some kind yeah. of conflict right. made of that. And I like right. that it was just that's who the characters are. And the only conflict was that she's planning on going across the country to school, you know, in her relationship with her dad. I just appreciate that we've gotten to a point where you could have those that demographic of character Oh yeah, in a conflict. Yeah, a lesbian daughter from a biracial family—that's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it ten years ago, yeah, that would have been a scandal. Even right. 
Or it would have been an issue well, movie. It would have, yeah. Right? It yeah. would have been an issue. Ten, just 10 years 20 ago. years ago, it would have been a scandal. 10 mm-hmm. years yeah. ago, it would have been, that's the movie's about. Yeah. Well, it still would be in my family, but okay. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. Tom, I, no, believe me, my I'm learning more and more how mildly racist my family is. Um, my parents. Sorry, Mom and Dad, if you're listening. Ever. Um, but <laughs> ever. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of scary how generations from one generation to the next changes socially. Yes. Culturally. It's kind of scary how prevalent it, I think I didn't realize how prevalent it is until I started growing, becoming more and more of an adult. Yeah. How strong that, that racism really can be. And how they yeah. don't see it as racism. Yes. That's what always surprised me. They'll say something incredibly racist yeah. and say, but that's, that's not racist. Like, how is that not racist? Yeah. yeah. It's how our society yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's like it's a, the, the truth isn't racist. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's not, no. The yeah. truth isn't homophobic. The truth yeah. isn't sexist. The truth isn't yeah. misogynist. Whatever. Yeah. 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 No, so it was, it was, I, I agree with you, Tom. That was something that I definitely noticed is they, um, I don't know how else to describe it except for the fact that they, they humanized all of the characters here, you know, and showed that. These people are human and that this this isn't, you know, just the fact that you're a lesbian or you're biracial isn't mm-hmm. something that needs to be a conflict within your life. And I think that would be a really, I think for somebody who is biracial or lesbian, that would be something they'd want to see. This is all they're asking for is honest portrayals of themselves as characters. Yeah. And, and so I think that was beautiful for them to do that. Yeah. And nobody in this movie is, the, the thing I did appreciate about the movie, I liked pretty much every character in this there's no bad mm-hmm. guy but nobody's a just a good person you know what i mean like they're all quirky right. have their flaws and mm-hmm. real people that you know yeah, just maybe like do life. good things do bad things but you know there's nobody i hate and and the way he reveals some of the tragedy how the wife died we never find everything out but mm-hmm. how, how she died on a bike and so that's why she never learned to ride a bike it's, I mean, it's, it's all very, very touching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I really, really, I, I loved this movie. I thought it was great. So my biggest problem with this movie, however, is I think the, the, the songs themselves. Aren't yeah. The songs great. themselves aren't the, and this whole movie <sighs> rests on how what? great the songs are, right? It's the, it's the art problem. That's where true. That's the true. whole movie is, wow, these are amazing. And you created this great art out of, you know, this duo. But the songs aren't that. They're they're generic indie rock. Like, there was nothing. The first song is decent. Right. You know, I would listen to it on the radio. I don't think I'd download it into my library. And especially when it comes to musicals. When it comes to a musical, and I'm not thinking, oh, I need to get that soundtrack. <laughs> that's To me, that's a problem. I mean, Hedwig, as soon as it was done, I was listening to the soundtrack. Right. Uh, there was another movie. We but did do you think that's an honest thing. music issue or do you think it's a genre issue? I think no, because like, indie rock is my genre. That's what I like to listen. Right. To. And what you said, and, like, as soon as this movie was over, I did go and like I downloaded the soundtrack on Spotify. I loved this. The songs. Uh, I thought they were fantastic. I, I thought they were really the, good. The main song, Hearts Beat Loud, won me over by the end. I wasn't blown away by it when I first yeah. heard it. But. I also didn't totally feel like I needed to be like this yeah. movie doesn't this movie does not, not actually rest on the commercial success of the song. It ends up on a playlist on Spotify, which I don't really know how that happens, but which would be exciting. 
Mm-hmm. Right. But there's nothing like where it becomes a hit, where they become famous. Like, no. That does happen. I'll go on a weird playlist on Spotify and there'll just be one song from a random band that has nothing else. You can so submit I kind your of own buy music. That. Yeah, you yeah. can submit your own music to Spotify. And like, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't, I didn't think the songs were great, the ending scenes in the record shop where they are putting on the show are good. And like, I, I can't, I'm, I'm sort of on the same page as you, Steve, about the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that they didn't need to be great songs for those scenes to play well, because I don't think that was the point. Oh, I, I, yeah, I disagree. I thought it was. Like, you know, more and more people are crowding into the record store at the end because their music is so great, it's pulling people in kind of thing. Well, no, yeah, but there's a difference between live music, too. Yeah. I, yeah. I, think it captured, I think it captured the vibe of hearing a live performance pretty well. Because there have been, like, live performances that I've been to, and then I would go home and listen to the actual songs. And I'm like, oh, well, this was better live. I think we might be being a little snobbish too, because it feel which he, he even kind of, they, they have a great line in there where he's like, he references Backstreet Boys right when they're wa- writing "Hearts Beat Loud," and he's like, "It's a great song," and she's like, "Really?" and he's like, "Who made you a snob?" Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's just it's I want thing, what like, what way? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's this it's thing that they're not, rod. but they're not they're not writing what, what way. They're not writing something <laughs> that is a masterpiece. It doesn't have to be like that. They are writing poppy, radio-friendly hits. And I, watching this, my my feet were tapping. And he's he's talking about how it's a mood piece or it's a love song, but it's not. And the way that it's kind of it's he's putting these sort of folksy his his style of music over the newer sort of pop sampling. I, I thought that was a nice combination musically. And, it's not going to break anything, but it is what people are listening to and playing now on the radio, at least as far as rock goes. And so I, 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 I like that. It was passable. You could throw that into a lot of indie rock albums and people wouldn't know it was any different. I, I, I guess I think when a movie is about music, I have higher expectations of the music. You know, and they have original I stuff. I agree with you. I, I agree you know, with you. And, and I was actually feeling that way to an extent, but I don't think this relies on the art being mind the art itself being mind-blowing and i didn't look at this as a movie about music yeah before i watched it uh yes i would have been in that group Mm -hmm. but in the first five minutes some of the dialogue when she's sitting in the classroom and the teachers you know going over the different things and i don't remember the exact words but i got the impression more that it was about different kinds of love, whether it was a relationship, whether it was a marriage, oh, whether yeah. it was about a father-daughter. So I, I looked at it more from that angle, and the music was supporting it, not the star of it. Yeah, so, so when you when it's thematically, you know, it's not thematically about music, but it's right. uh, like high fidelity or a, where, you know, it's that yeah. kind of thing where you have a character that's obsessed with music, right. and then they're also a musician. I just have, I just expect something a little bit, higher than sort of generic whatever the genre is you know um (laughs) not every film can be once steve yeah there you go there's a good example of (laughs) but like they can oh i agree somebody you know and so at some point like i think this film is when when what's behind it i mean i agree with tom where if this film had been about where they're like we're gonna write the song that changes the world but then you better damn well do it these are Two people who this is the only time they've ever really played together. No, and jam sesh. Except for Anytime jam sesh. Jam sesh. <laughs> that scene irritated the shit out of me. 
<laughs> watching Nick Offerman go, this, no, it's jam sesh. Come on, it's jam sesh. I wanted to reach into the TV and strangle his. Kevin, that's how that's how kids feel when you you pull your daddy stuff. Like when you're just like being a dad, like trying to get them to do something and being playful. Like yeah. I thought he was perfect at it. He was making dad jokes. Yeah. It is irritating. That's an that is an amazing okay, so power that a dad has. Maybe it was has. because I was looking in the mirror that I was bothered so much. <laughs> I love that scene when he he's like starts to say your mom wouldn't oh, yeah. whatever and she's like you can't do that and walks away but he can't help himself. He's like and he just finishes it. Yeah, yeah. He, because he just can't he's like I I can't help. this yeah. is my this is my like get out of jail free card. You know, he can't help but use it. Yeah. Well, but that I also like that she walked away. That that scene didn't. That scene is the parent-child argument melodramatic scene, and it parents and kids argue, but it didn't let it get to some sort of huge Hollywoodized extreme. Yeah, where they both say things and totally hurt each other. She cuts him off. He respects it. He's still kind of reasonably. You you can see he's restraining himself. Um, so it was that was a really fascinating scene to work with. Um. Why don't we grade this film? Uh, Steve, what grade would you give Hearts Beat Loud? Uh, I'd give it a B. It doesn't quite elevate to an A for me, partly because of the music. I felt the music was a little lacking. Kevin? Uh, I'm not as much of an indie rock snob, so I'm giving this an A. (laughs) I'm also giving this an A. I I love this movie. This was really good. We haven't even talked about Ted dancing. Tom? I got talked up to an A. I was kind of on the between a B and a high a, high B and an A, pretty much for the same problems that Steve had with it. But I'll give it an A. So that gives it an A minus, which is uh, by our rating system a Spock. Uh, do you guys want to do movie questions with this, or you want to jump to flip chart? Let's see. We can try. We see if we can come up with a couple good movie questions. Oh hey, and Brian just joined us. I think he's listening, but we can't. But not talking. <laughs> so this is good. What about this movie should you change to make Brian stop whining? <laughs> oh, I don't know what he would say about Yeah, I don't think Brian would whine through this. I don't know how he feels about indie rock. I don't know because there, I don't think there's much that, that I know of yet that he could directly relate to. Well, Brian movie. is incredibly racist, so maybe <laughs> oh, there is that. That's true, yeah. <laughs> so it's, don't excuse it's, me for Kevin. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm only mildly racist. (laughs) Half of it isn't racism. That's just culture. (laughs) Sorry. It's not racism if it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Which superhero would be called in to solve this movie's conflict? The problem is they solve the conflict on their own. Like, this is a calm conversation, man. Yeah. I like yeah. that's good. I like that. <laughs> One of the things that I, I love about this movie is that it actually it does what I feel like is sometimes really hard in Hollywood. Is it it has a earned happy ending. It's kind of bittersweet though. Yeah, it is it is kind yeah, of that's bittersweet. What I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, but it's um like a lot of if if this was a 30 minute sitcom, right? It, at the end uh, the whole community would come together and they'd all be buying records like crazy or they would become a band, you know, and it would be this forced happy ending but instead it's it is it's a bittersweet it's a realistic one he's found a job that fits him where he's at now he's had his mom move in and she's still playing music which i think is part of what makes it really happy at the end and they had this summer together and it doesn't 
make it more than what it was, you know? And so that's, that, that's a very hard thing. Hollywood and movies today always kind of want to, and they've for a very long time, probably since it's a wonderful life, have <laughs> wanted to make things, the endings like super happy. So I see the empire. I find yeah. it interesting that everybody assumed the superhero was a man. Oh, okay. Right. Especially since there's no mother figure in the whole movie. So, re raise your dead mom, man? <laughs> he still went with a man. Still, yeah, the, the guy, that superhero is still a man. <laughs> okay, all right. Raise your dead mom lady. <laughs> there, is that fix it? Way better. Yeah. Nail on the head. Yeah. No, you got it. It's, when it's a woman, it's girl. Right. Girl. So right, yeah. it's not it's not super woman. Unless it's super Wonder girl. Woman. Um, it's Wonder Woman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is there Wonder is Woman. there a female superhero who can I, I don't know if raising mom from the dead would help this movie. <laughs> well it, death death, the embodiment of death in the Marvel universe, not necessarily a superhero, a but like Okay. She's a lady. She is yeah. a lady. She's a lady. <laughs> Tom Jones said it best. Are we are we going to address the fact that that uh, Brian just popped in, or are we just going to go with it? <laughs> go ahead. Welcome back to the Incidental Brian. <laughs> Never happened. Brian, um, earlier I revealed we were all revealing uh, who we were in high school. So I told them about your uh, travails as a uh, a leather duster wearing hallway rapper. So basically the whatever the equivalent I'm, of the SoundCloud rapper 10 years ago I am not disputing that <laughs> I don't I don't know where we can go. I feel like all right, we should move on to flick chart. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So we're going to add Hearts Beat Loud to flick chart uh, for those of you who are unaware. Flick chart is a wonderful website you can use it allows you to rank two movies against each other and then it builds you a list of your favorite movies and we do it collectively so that makes it better because that when with more input it makes it more accurate right guys input <laughs> I think that answers your question Nate <laughs> <laughs> all right I'm trying to add it now the first matchup of hearts beat loud <laughs> is hearts beat loud or Man of Steel, which this <laughs> this poster of Man of Steel, Henry Cavill has a an enormous cod piece. Let's just <laughs> like it. he is the Man of Steel after all. He is the Man of Steel. His uh, but his abs are also like two inches from his nipples. Like what is going on here? <laughs> and those abs got to be if if we're doing this to scale, each ab has to be at least like five by five. I'm just saying, but his cod piece is at least three times that size. His cod piece grew three sizes that day. Yeah. <laughs> Hearts Beat Loud is better than Man of Steel. Yes. I agree. Hearts I, Beat Loud is better than Man of Steel. I agree also. Man of Steel may be more fun to talk about, though. Yeah. Uh, Hearts Beat Loud or Song of the Sea? Song of the Sea. Song. Uh, um, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Song of the Sea. <laughs> I'm going to go Song of the Sea right now. Yeah, I guess I'd go Song of the Sea. Uh, hearts Beat Loud or Take Shelter. Sorry, I have to look that one up. <laughs> Was that the poster? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> look at that. Look uh, at that god piece. Oh my goodness. It wouldn't be that bad if they didn't highlight the shit out of it. <laughs> Don't you have to Oh, highlights? shiny. <laughs> they 
Yeah. Just so you're aware, Kevin, take shelter is where Michael Shannon uh, thinks he sees the end of the world, so he builds a bomb shelter in his backyard. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's the one, it's one Kevin always forgets that he saw. <laughs> I'm going hard. I've seen this, but I want to see. I'll go as hard to be loud. Yes, I'm no, going I have. Take I shelter. hate this guy. Okay, let's put it this way. If I've seen it, I hate it because I hate this guy. But I want to build a bomb shelter, like in real life. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm kind of torn. And if I've said that before, I'm sorry. You have. <laughs> I feel like we have yep. so much audio of you Just saying this. Like, I hate Michael Shannon. conversation we have on record about But it. I want to build a bomb shelter. Because <laughs> it happens. It, it comes up like every quarter, Kevin. Like not, it doesn't come up too often. It's every I'm, couple of months. I'm sure if Tom had a week and nothing better to do, he could come up with a clips of us just saying the same, each one of us yeah. saying the exact same, same thing over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And denying that we've ever said it before. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going to go hearts beat loud. Partially just because it's happier. Take Shelter might be a more kind of meticulously put together film. Yeah, I'm going Take Shelter. Uh, which way would you go, Tom? Hearts beat loud or Take Shelter? Hearts beat loud. Hearts beat loud beats Take Shelter. Hearts beat loud or Chinatown? Chinatown. Hearts beat loud. Right. What? Nobody likes Chinatown as much as you. Everybody does. I'd go Chinatown. I'd go Chinatown. That'd be a classic I hate. (laughs) I'd go Hearts beat loud. Kevin, would you go Hearts beat loud as well? Oh, yeah. I went Hearts beat loud. There's no way I'm budging. Yeah, I'm not moving on this. I think it's split. Tom said Hearts beat loud, right? I said Chinatown and you said Chinatown. Oh, you said Chinatown, Nate. Okay. I thought you said Hearts beat loud. Steven, are you going to budge? Fuck no. Yeah, no. no that, would be, that would be absurd. Amazing. Tom, are you going to budge? No. Oof. I, I have yet to understand the greatness of Chinatown, I guess. Yeah. I don't get it. It's a little racist, you Tom. <laughs> <laughs> the food's not racist. Not good. It's true. <laughs> uh, I'll put that in a little folder in case I ever need to blackmail myself. <laughs> I mean, Tom, it's okay. only fair. If you have folders of the rest of us, you should send us the folder of you. All right, so Hearts Beat Loud is stuck. It, uh, it ends up being stuck at 201 on our flick chart out of 643 movies. It is below Primer. Now you see me. What the hell? What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wings, not the uh, TV show. And it is above Dr. No, King Rat, and Paranorman. All right. We're going to come back and talk about what we are watching next time. So I have the pick and Tom has the pairing for the next podcast. And my, let's actually, let's get my theme first. My theme is, wait, that's not Disney. <laughs> and the movie I picked is Anastasia. Yeah, that's a good pick for your theme. Fox, it's Fox's uh, foray into princess movies. Yeah, with Don Bluth. It's dark as shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to revisit this. I think uh, uh, I, I remember liking it, but I haven't seen it in a long I, time. I remember hating this movie, but I really loved the songs, which is a really strange. <laughs> like dichotomy. All right. Well, anyway, um, it, this might be a little surprising, but I'm actually going to choose the Brave Little Toaster <gasps> because 
even though I was very surprised to find that on that BuzzFeed list of non-Disney animated films, Disney actually didn't have anything to do with the production. Right. I've been reading about it. Oh. So I think Disney was more involved at a later date in like distribution. And they own all the sequels and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. But that was actually produced and released by kind of a, a smaller company. It's actually the same company that released Freeway. Oh. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Freeway? Pretty all right. much the same. So, I mean, yeah, same very genre, similar same movies. Yeah. So the Kushner Lock Company, an American independent motion picture production company, <laughs> is responsible for both both the Brave Little Toaster and my great contribution to this podcast, Freeway. See, I had this being made by Hyperion. Yeah, and Hyperion was the animation company that produced this in concert Mm -hmm. with Kushner Lock. Okay, so I've always thought of Brave Little Toaster as just kind of like a weird, lesser-known, like, darker Disney movie. Right. Because that movie terrified me as a kid. So I'm interested to revisit this. Me too. I haven't seen this since I was a kid. Same. This is like the original Toy Story. Yeah, it's... it's, uh, well, if, if Toy Story is about appliances, yeah, which is even weirder, but yeah. Um, so anthropomorphic appliances, who they call him the master. Oh, God. So I loved some, this movie as a kid. Yeah. As soon as you said that, there's going to be racism in this that no, I no. didn't notice as a kid. It's going to ruin it for me. I don't think so. Okay. There's a little there's a little electric blanket that's played off as like a child character. And... I remember him constantly talking about the master. <laughs> but there's like a scene in a junkyard that's really, really terrifying. That song is so good, though. Is it? I don't remember the song that much. The, song, like... the song during that scene is so good. But you're, you're watching like cars and stuff with like. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Faces and personalities it's getting, getting crushed. Destroyed. Yeah. Oh. Okay. The song it is called scene. Worthless. It's amazing. All right, can't wait to see this. I've never seen this before. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, this is one of those that I, I, this was one of those that I probably watched thirty times. Yeah. Because it was around that, around that time as a kid where you just watch something over. You just watch the same thing again and again and again. Yeah. 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 And I I had this since. I had this recorded off the Disney Channel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I watched it over and over. So, Tom, I have one question before we go on. Why not Rover Dangerfield? (laughs) you answered your own question (laughs) all right so uh in our next podcast wait that's not disney i hope you've enjoyed listening to us here at buried cinema make sure you subscribe to one of the many platforms where you can find our show you can find us at anchor.fm apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher and pocket cast also be sure to like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at buried cinema if you'd like to contribute to help keep our show going, you can donate through BuriedCinema.com. For those that donate, we periodically give away prizes and allow you to suggest movies so you can make us watch anything you want. Thanks so much, and stay tuned for our next movie review. Wait, if we call Nate an asshole, can we refer to Tom as Tommy? <laughs> <laughs> How about I thought I read just... something recently that you like being called Tommy instead. <laughs> I don't think he's listening, so just yeah. do that. Oh, he, I said he is, he is. I don't Silence like people consent, I've never spoken right? to before in my life calling me nicknames. I know. Yeah. <laughs> now, my, no, my brother's true. name is Tom. And growing up, we called him Tommy. And then after a while, I was like, yeah, don't call me Tommy. <laughs>
My my yeah. grandfather's real name on his birth certificate is Tommy. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. We have Tommy a teacher who speaks. her real name is Jenny, not Jennifer. Yeah. Jenny. It's Jenny. Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and if you it's it's the opposite. If you call her Jennifer, she gets she gets irate. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's not Jennifer. Although Nate, is your full name Nathan or Nathaniel? It's Nathaniel. But when it's I was a kid, it's I hated Nathaniel. being called Nathan. Oh, right. I was like, that is not my name. Nate's just gonna yeah. die. People shouldn't get like all prickly if you get their name wrong. It's yeah, just I know. It, it's it's the idea of you don't walk up to somebody you don't know and call them such an like a a personal that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a personal and, term of like I know you. Yeah. 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 It's sort of like I call Natasha Tasha. Right. But nobody else calls her that. The kids do. I think I said it the first time less than a year ago. <laughs> yeah. And it still felt strange. <laughs> and I never had cuz I I always assumed that was like a term of endearment from Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, cuz Kevin's you do, using it. Natasha so. hits you. Uh, no, no, I feel weird. <laughs> no, it's uh, like you get to know her well enough that it's <laughs> Yeah, she's just, she's complained I, about it in confidence. I think I but. broke the fourth commandment. What is that? <laughs> Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. It's, oh, it's one of those. Yeah. I was gonna. Oh, I thought it was the stealing property one. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> I will, Tasha. You gotta hear what Stephen just said. <laughs> no, I have to hear. All right, some well, we got we, we got a good vibe shit? going here. Let's oh, do yeah. this. Let's yeah. start the podcast on this. You ready to go, yeah, Kevin? Yeah, yeah. I'm good. Oh, am I? Oh, I'm leading. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, 